Hello and welcome back to episode 9 of Beans Does Stuff. Nine whole episodes, who'd have thought we'd make it this far? Thanks to everyone who listened to the last episode of Beans Does Bedtime Stories. And special thanks, as always, go to those people who took the time to get in touch. Your feedback is greatly appreciated. I cannot emphasise that enough. This week's episode, well, it's a bit of a pick and mix really. Each section could be, and probably will be, a podcast in its own right. I'll be talking about a few of my favourite beers, a few of my favourite places to enjoy your beer, and do you know what? I'm even going to chuck in a little bit of culinary chaos at the end, just for the fun of it. So let's get on with the show. If you've listened to the podcast before, you will know I always start every episode with corrections and additions from the previous episode. Now, this week I only have the one correction and sadly no additions, as I haven't heard from any of the publishers about the story that I sent them. But for me, that is a massive, massive positive because in the last seven days, I haven't heard any no's. And let's face it, they've only had the story maybe 10 to 14 days and people are very very busy the one correction that i have to make is that last time i stated that 2017 was 50 years of roald dahl's books um actually it was 2016 and it was 100 years since his birth so it was close but not especially close this week we ordered Disney Plus for the kids in a hope to try and stave off some of the boredom while they can't go anywhere and while they remain thoroughly underwhelmed by the giant bouncy castle we bought them for the back garden last week. Matilda's not really watched much of it yet but I'm loving the Toy Story films. I also found a show called The World According to Jeff Goldblum. Now I'd accuse the guy of nicking my idea but A. He came up with it first. B. He's a yinzer, so I'd pretty much forgive him for anything. And see, I'm probably going to steal a few of his ideas for my shows. That brings us nicely on to the only other section, which is every bit a regular feature, as the amendments that I do at the start. The darts. Now, last time out, I talked about the 501 prize giveaway from Darts Planet TV and Dart Wolf 180. Well, this weekend, they kicked it up a notch and announced that they were going to give away 1,000 prizes. I mean, that's phenomenal. One weekend they give away 500, and bearing in mind they're probably giving away the best part of £50,000 worth of Nexus boards. And just before they went live to give away the 1,000 prizes they announced this weekend, Dark Wolf 180 decided that ain't enough. Have 2,000 prizes. I mean, there was some problem with the way that the prizes were picked out. I'm not sure. I, I wasn't aware what it was. All I know is that I've been picked out and I was quite happy to receive whatever I was going to receive. And basically, anybody who had liked and retweeted the tweet was told they're getting a prize. So, if you're a fan of darts and you're not following Dart Wolf 180 and Darts Planet TV, why not? Because there's quality output, quality output from Darts Planet TV. And you could be and probably will be in all in all honesty selected to win a darting prize now i've not received mine yet but i've seen people sharing pictures just today and yesterday of theirs arriving and it they're quality prizes you know tacoma cases and darts heads just absolutely phenomenal and next 
time, so next time they do a prize giveaway, whenever that will be, they've announced that they're going to give away 10,000 prizes. I can't see them doubling that to 20,000 next time, but who knows? You wouldn't put it past them. When these prizes turn up, I will, of course, be sending them off down to Gareth's fundraiser. And speaking of fundraisers, I got an email this week from Just Giving. And it told me that our own darting endeavours meant that we ranked in the top 1% of fundraisers for the month of March. Now, that's thanks in no small part to Dartwolf180. I've said thank you before, and I'm going to say thank you again, because your contributions made a massive difference. Not just to ranking us in the top 1%, that's really irrelevant really, but it makes us feel pretty good about ourselves and what we did. And it should make Darwolf180 feel pretty good about the donations that he made as well. Because out of 58,306 fundraisers, his generosity meant that our campaign was in the top 1% of that. And that money went off down to Great Ormond Street Hospital, where hopefully it will make a massive, massive difference to people's lives. I also need to say thank you to Double Trouble Drinks because they're 10% off offer for donators and the bottle of gin that they gave us to raffle off to people who were kind enough to donate really encouraged people to go to our Just Giving page and drew a lot of attention to it. So thank you, David and Scott, for everything that you did. And also worth visiting their page at the moment because they're doing their own fundraiser for the NHS. They had an overwhelming response to their request to find new testers for their vodkas. Can't imagine why people would want a free vodka to test, can you? Anyway, if you enter their raffle, you can win a place on that tasting panel where you can knock elbows with such salubrious boozers such as myself. I don't know whether this has been drawn yet, but if not, you can always get over to their Just Giving page. There's a pinned tweet on their Twitter page and their Facebook and their Instagram, and you can donate. And all money, like I said, goes to the NHS. And if there's still time, you could be drawn out of the hat to be one of, I think it's 80 testers now that they've upped it to because of the massive amount of interest that they've received. And also, you can still get yourself a bottle of their fantastic gin. That's available to purchase at www.doubletroubledrinks.co.uk. So get over there and have a look. Last time out, I talked a little bit about the fundraiser that we're currently involved in. And that is for Gareth, who is planning to raise some money for his children and their conditions. Now, with a lockdown in place, he's quite limited what he can organise at the minute. But I want to use this section as a little bit of a call to arms. Just if anybody out there who thinks they can help or contribute in any way, I would ask that you get in contact with at EliteGarethF on Twitter. Any assistance you can offer will be greatly, greatly appreciated. Specifically, some of the things that we're looking at that we're going to need assistance with is if you know anything about doing a 24-hour stream, whether you can recommend a platform to do it on or just assist in any way, there's going to be a 24-hour dark marathon and it's going to need streaming on the internet. So if you can help with that, that would be phenomenal because it's one of the things that we're struggling to organize at this point in time. Or if you have any prizes that you want to donate. Like I said, the two prizes I've won from Darts Planet TV... Uh, the bottle of gin, kindly donated by Dave Padmore. And I've also dug out an old signed photograph of Phil Taylor. Sorry, Phil, but it's a worthy cause. And they're going to be winging their way off down to uh, South Wales very, very shortly. 
he's also looking for a venue to host him for the 24-hour dartathon. So it would be great if that was South Wales, but it's not necessarily essential because he is willing to travel for it. But if we could make that happen in the Cardiff area specifically, I think that would be fantastic. The final way you could help is if you own a Nexus, you could provide some competition for the dart marathon. It would be great to get involved and hopefully you could help raise some money yourself uh, for this wonderful, wonderful charity. And finally for the dart section, while we're on the subject of the Nexus, if you own one, keep an eye out for beans or beans underscore does underscore stuff. And the profile picture that I use for my social media and for the podcast that's the one I use on the Nexus. So if you're playing online, please, please, please challenge me to a game. I'd love to give anyone a game, especially Dark Wolf 180, who now has himself a Nexus. That brings us on to this week's subject, which is beer, which, if anybody knows me, is my most favourite of all subjects. I'm going to break this podcast down into three sections. In this section, I'm going to be talking about some of my favourite beers, and that one beer that I obsess over, despite the fact that I am 99% certain that I cannot stand it. In the next section, I'm going to talk about some of my favorite places that I've enjoyed beer. And I'm going to finish off, and again, I'm stealing this expression from uh, Tilly and China, with some culinary chaos. And I promise you, you are going to enjoy this one. It's my own recipe. I dreamt it up when I decided to do a podcast about beer. And it turned out way better than I was expecting. I was delighted with the results. Interestingly enough, Beans Does Stuff wasn't my original idea for a podcast. Yeah, for sure, as I told you in episode one, my original plan was to call it the Beancast. But that isn't the only change I made to it along the way. My original idea was to review three different beers each week, and each beer would be suggested by one of the hosts. Yep, that's right, I originally planned on doing a podcast with two of my friends. Never actually ran it past them, to be fair. But... Each week, I would suggest a different craft beer, bring it along for people to try. I love, I love all types of beer, but I really love trying the different craft beers. They're always, you know, a little bit unique, something different out there, especially dark beers. I love dark beers. My friend Andy, now he lived in Brussels for a while, and he loves Belgian beer. Very, very rarely drinks anything else. <laughs> I think he occasionally has a cup of tea for breakfast. And then there's my buddy Gaz. He likes more of a traditional ale. And I thought if we each brought three bottles of that along to us, sit, drink, review, and enjoy. Chuck in a little bit of beer news from, from, you know, from all around the globe and just see how that panned out. Like I said, I never put it to them, but you never know. That might be something that we explore one day. I had intended to pick up one of each of the beers that I'm going to be talking about and sit and enjoy one while I talk to you about them. But with the lockdown being in place and the beers that I've selected not really available from the supermarkets that are local to me, I've had to forgo that. It doesn't really qualify as essential shopping, unfortunately. Anyway, let's talk about the beer. And let's start off by talking about five of my favourite beers. Now, these beers are in no particular order, 
But the first beer I have chosen is Titanic Plum Porter. If anybody knows me, I love this beer. And the best thing about it is it's made very, very nearby. It's made in Stoke. Now, Stoke might seem like an unusual place to have a beer that's named after possibly the most famous shipwreck. But Stoke was the captain of the Titanic, that's Captain E.J. Smith's hometown. Something that's celebrated with his portrait on an iceberg in the Pottery Shopping Centre. Seems like a strange choice to remember him for that, but nonetheless, that is how he'll, pardon the pun, go down in history. Now, this beer is a dark, rich beer, and the plum that's in it gives it a really sweet taste as well. I've done the brewery tour a couple of times uh, at Titanic. It costs about £15, and with that, you get some food. I can't remember if it's three or four pints of their beer, but it's a really good tour as well, and they'll talk you through uh, the different stages of brewing. For a porter, it's not a particularly heavy drink. And the plum inside it, like I said, gives it a sweet lift as well. Now, there are actually three different varieties of this beer. There's the original, which comes in the 500ml bottle or 330ml can, and comes in around about 4.9%. And that, for me, is my favourite. I think it's a great beer. It's got a lovely, lovely flavour to it. Like I said, not too heavy. Um, but if you're going to have a beer session, it's not one you're probably going to stay on all night. The other two varieties are both called Grand Reserve and the original comes in the 313ml bottle. Now it's a pretty good beer but I don't think it's a patch on the original. You can tell it's a little bit stronger um, but it lacks, it lacks a little bit of the plummy flavour in my opinion. The next one however is absolutely excellent and comes in a really decent sized bottle. I think it might be 660ml, might even be 750ml bottle. Uh, retails for around about a tenner but it is worth every penny of it. And it is another Grand Reserve and this one is port infused and you can taste the port in it as well. And it is a perfect complement to that plum. It was originally done as a Christmas beer but is now available most of the year round. Uh, keep an eye out for it in, in different beer retailers. And obviously they sell it on site in the, uh, in the, in the brewery itself and their store. It's a fantastic beer. Definitely, definitely a treat. Plum Porter is the most popular beer that Titanic produced. The original tour that I went on a few years ago, it made up a very small percentage of the beer that they were producing. But come the time I made the second visit, it, I think it was something like 60 or 70% of their production was given over to the Plum Porter. If you see it on tap, give it a go, because it's not just a great bottle of beer, it's just a fantastic beer. Titanic themselves only have a few pubs that they supply to, but you'll quite often see it as a guest beer. I've seen it in Jules pubs, and not just in the Midlands and the Northwest. I have seen it down south um, on tap as well, so if you see it, grab yourself a pint. It's fantastic. The other beer of theirs that's worth a try as well is the cappuccino style if you like dark beers because that is also fantastic. The second beer that I've chosen to talk about is arguably a little bit controversial because I get mocked by my friends for enjoying this one. I get a hell of a lot of abuse if I get myself a bottle of this in on a night out. And it's a beer I first came across when I was in Brussels in Belgium. I think it's fantastic everybody else disagrees with me 
Mongozo Banana. What's not to love about that title? Now this beer tastes of bananas. More specifically to me, it tastes of those foamy banana sweets. And if you love those, you're going to love this beer. I mean, what's not to like? The one thing I will say about it is, it is the perfect accompaniment for a spicy curry. So if you've been out on a session, you will have no doubt had a few strong beers that pack a punch and have a heavy body. Well, this is sort of a white beer, a wheat beer, I should say. And if you're on that quest for food, more often than not, you ended up, if you're anything like me, having a curry quite late on in the evening. And I love a really spicy curry. Don't like to push it out to the sort of the falls and the Naga chilies um, or even the Vindaloo's, to be honest with you. Madras or Jalfrezi, that's about my limit. And this beer complements those perfectly. That sweet banana taste, it just goes perfectly with a hot curry. Now, this beer is only around about 3.6%. comes in small bottles. I think they're maybe... 330 mil and don't tend to cost too much either so it's not going to push you over the edge if you've had a few heavy beers like i said it's a belgian beer and it's brought to you by the same people who bring you delirium tremens so you know you're going to get a quality beer so keep an eye out for it you can't drink too many of them because it is so so sweet but i promise you this next time you're having a curry Pick up a couple of these and I promise you, you won't regret it. It is the perfect accompaniment. Gaz and Andy would not agree to that if we were doing that original podcast. We'd be having an argument right now. My third beer of choice is also Belgium. And it's also from the Delirium Brewery. Now, Belgium has a very well-deserved reputation for the beer that it produces. They do make some fantastic beers. And you know what? I'm going to talk a little bit about that in the next section. But Delirium produce some, I use my favourite word, phenomenal beers. Like I say, the Tremens and the Nocturnum are two fantastic beers. But my particular favourite is the Delirium Red. It's a dark red cherry beer and it is cherry. It's got that beautiful almondy cherry taste to it. It's another beer, you can't drink an awful lot of it. It's 8.5%, so it's quite strong. But the thing is, you'd never know it was 8.5%. You, When you're drinking it, it is smooth. You can taste the blonde ale that the, the cherry is, or creek, as it will say on it, because that's the, the uh, I don't know if it's Flemish or the French word, probably should have researched that, uh, for cherry. I think it's French. But like I say, it's got a really, really strong cherry taste to it. And when you pour it out, it really is bright red. It's not a beer you're going to stay on all evening. But I'm telling you this, if I'm having one, I'm having more than one. Love it. When I compiled a list of my five favorite beers, I put a fair bit of thought into it. And these are the beers that if I see in a bar, regardless of what's on, I'm picking these. And I wasn't aware until I looked back at that list that actually I was such a fan of fruit beers. The first three beers all contain fruit, cherry, plum and banana. It's quite a mix, quite a fruit salad. So the next beer I've chosen definitely breaks the mould. And it's one that was produced a few miles from where I live also. And sadly, I do mean the word was quite literally because 
it is no longer produced anymore. You may very well be able to get hold of a bottle of it though because I've been told quite reliably by uh, a number of people that I've bought it from that this beer ages really well. Don't worry about the sell-by date on it. Stick it in a cupboard, let it age and the flavour improves. Obviously I've never done that because it tastes so good to begin with. It doesn't last more than a day or so once I bought it. So the fourth beer that I've chosen is the Buxton Brewery's Yellow Belly. It's a peanut butter and biscuit flavoured imperial stout. And it comes in at 11%, so it packs quite a punch and it is a really heavy body beer. It's not cheap. Every time I've bought it, I've paid around about £10 for a bottle of it. And the bottles are 330ml, so they're not particularly big. That's probably a good thing at that strength. And it certainly isn't a kind of beer that you'd want to drink all night because of just how heavy bodied it is but it tastes absolutely phenomenal and one of the most interesting things about it is the way that it's marketed it's a black bottle and it's wrapped in white paper with two eye holes cut in it so it looks like uh, a kkk mask which is pretty controversial you might think but the name is yellow belly and obviously yellow belly is synonymous with cowardice and when you unwrap the paper and open up that black bottle there's a very strong message on there warning against prejudice a warning which is nearly as strong as the beer itself if you see this beer available do not let the price tag put you off because i promise you it is worth every penny of that 10 pounds and even if you're asked to pay a little bit more because it's been aged a little bit don't let that put you off it is well worth it myself and buddy andy drank quite a few of these while watching the super bowl in 2018 and it's a great beer and we really enjoyed it and we really enjoyed the patriots and brady losing that for me was a perfect night the final beer that i picked to make my top five is another belgian beer and it's made by duval and duval makes some exceptional beers my personal favourite of theirs is the Duval Triple Hop Citra. It's another fairly strong beer, comes in at 9.5%. Um, and despite the fact that it is a light beer, very light in colour, I find it quite a heavy beer to drink. I can only have a few of these, sits quite heavily on the old belly, and it's not something that I would have alongside food other than maybe some nuts. Because it's light beer, it has a fruity, citrusy taste, as the name would suggest. I love an IPA, and my particular favourite type of IPA is an American-style IPA. And these are often flavoured with those citra hops that this is flavoured with. I think it is a fantastic beer, and it's one that's worth keeping an eye out for. And this is one that you will often see in supermarkets, you, you know, and for around £2, £2.50, I see this in Tesco's all the time and I can't walk past it without picking one up. That brings me on to the final beer that I wanted to talk about. Way back in the early 1990s, my buddy Dave did a writing course. And one of his first assignments was to write a review for you know, a journal or a newspaper or something like that. And he chose to do a review of 50 beers. Trouble is... Dave doesn't really drink beer. So he asked me and my brother John if we wouldn't mind reviewing the beers for him, give him a little bit of a pricey about each one, and he'd write it up. Now, one of the beers that me and my brother tried was a Brazilian black beer called Zingu, and it 
was absolutely foul. I think barely palatable at room temperature was the way my brother described it. Had anyone asked me my least favourite beer, I would always say without any hesitation, Zingu. Foul. Disgusting. Don't touch it. And that was until 2018. Every year that we can get tickets, we head down to Wembley and London for the NFL when it's in the UK. And the night before, we always go out and have a few beers and have some food in some of the many establishments that London has to offer. Um, and on this occasion, it was myself, Gaz and Andy. And we happened across a beer that we now simply refer to as the Duchess. It's a sour beer, so sour in fact that you might as well be drinking vinegar. It's Flemish in origin and is 6.2%. It has the absolute gall to describe itself as a cherry beer with a hint of balsamic. For me, it tastes like sarsens. Yet, whenever I see the Duchess de Bourgogne, and if that is pronounced correctly, then I'll high-five myself, if that's a thing, I'm always tempted to try it again, which I have done many, many times. And I always try it just to see if it's as bad as I remember. And it is. It's always just like, yeah, why have I bought this? It does taste exactly as I remember. Vinegar. So, until we meet again, Duchess, I'll stick with my punk IPA, which I'm enjoying tonight. section i just want to give a very brief mention just to a few places where i've really really enjoyed a beer as i mentioned in the last section the titanic brewery tour is well worth doing if you really enjoy a beer there's no better place to enjoy it than in the brewery in which it's made if you think about it it's not been moved across the country that beer hasn't been disturbed by all the travel that it's been on and the best part of plum porter i've had is in that brewery it was phenomenal it it was it was perfect. I have to say, it was a perfect pint. I've also visited the St. James's Gate Brewery in Dublin, and I don't think you'll get a better pint of Guinness anywhere in the world. It was fantastic. Wasn't a big fan of the brewery tour itself there. It focused a little bit too much on the marketing for my liking. I would have liked to find out a little bit more about the beer. I also visited the Heineken Brewery in Amsterdam. Um... And if I can find it, I'll share a photograph of a bottle of Heineken that we, uh, they say that you, you brew your own bottle, but really you just type your name into a computer and it gets printed onto a label. So I've got a, uh, I've got a bottle of Heineken that somehow has survived all these years in the back of the fridge with uh, myself and my wife's name on it. I'll try and share a picture of that later in the week on social media. Back in 2015, Kim and I, that's my wife, and our friends Amy and Andy took a trip to Brussels and Bruges. Like I said, Belgian beer is well-renowned, and rightly so. And Andy used to live in Brussels, as I mentioned. And he knew all the best places to visit. And if you're going to be taken on a tour, you want to be taken on a tour by somebody who absolutely adores Belgian beer and used to live there. There are literally hundreds of places that I could have mentioned that he took. I mean, we visited a hell of a lot of bars on that holiday. But I'm going to pick just one, and that's the Delirium Bar. Now, this is a place that adds a beer every year. So, once the lockdown is over, if you visit this place, you've got 2,020 beers to choose from. I promise you, you can't drink them all. 
I'm willing to bet the Duchess is one of them, so you might get through 2019 of them. One of Brussels' most famous landmarks is the Mannequin Piss. But if you take a left out of the bar and head down to the bottom of the alley there, you'll see the Janneken Piss, which is one of Brussels' least visited attractions, because most people don't know it's there, or even that it exists. I love that European cafe culture of just sitting out, drinking an insanely strong beer and taking in the sights, enjoying a little bit of people watching and enjoying a beer. And quite often with Belgian beers and, and, and other European beers, they're served in their own specific glass. Yeah, for sure, you often have to leave a bit of a deposit at the bar to make sure you don't run away with it. But it is the perfect vessel for drinking that beer out of. And I... I don't think there's any better way than to enjoy a beer like that is to be sat outside in the warm sunshine, taking it all in and just just enjoying a beer that you've never had before and probably will never have again. It was exactly the same when we visited Amsterdam back in 2012, just me and the wife this time. My favourite part of that holiday was just sitting out and relaxing and taking in the surroundings of Liedersplein and Rembrandtsplein. It was certainly a lot more relaxing than the pedal that we took out on the canal and had to negotiate all the big tourist boats. That was terrifying. There's something about just sitting out in Amsterdam and soaking up that atmosphere. The people there are very relaxed for some reason. And it had a smell that was very reminiscent of the time when I worked in Runcorn. There's obviously some pretty decent places to have a beer in the UK as well. So let's mention a few of those. If you like music, particularly the music that I really enjoy, uh, then the Mad Ferry in Preston, well, well worth a visit. Yeah, you could argue it's a bit of a dive bar, but when they do a Morrissey night there, it is simply fantastic. In York, there's a place called the Stone Roses Bar, and if you are a fan of the Stone Roses, then you have to visit this place. It is a great night. It doesn't matter what night of the week you go, there's people there enjoying good beer and good music i believe there's also one in leeds if you live in the northwest of england or the, the midlands then the altrigan markets are well worth a visit you can choose from a selection of freshly made food from plenty of different stalls and loads of beer stalls as well where you can pick up something just a bit different and sit and enjoy it and the way that the tables are all laid out you often end up sitting next to somebody that you don't know and having a cracking conversation with uh, with some really interesting people there are also two fantastic belgian bars in in altringham as well which are also worth a visit if you want to enjoy a bottle of the duchess and its original setting then the place where we had that was a place called balgo in london and this is a belgian restaurant where you can have some fantastic mussels or any other belgian food and obviously they have belgian beer for you to enjoy as well and they have the duchess another place that we discovered when we were down in london this last time was a place called flight club and this is a social darts bar well well worth a visit because they obviously they have darts and it's slightly different to the, the format that you'll know if you're a purist like myself and they serve some pretty great beer too including beaver town's lupuloid was on the last time we were in there I'm not going to talk too much about that though because it's uh, it, it does feature a little bit in the next episode I've kept you waiting long enough though because at the start of this episode I mentioned that there's going to be some culinary chaos that actually worked out pretty good so let's get to that. <laughs> 
So as promised, I'm going to close out this episode with some food that you can make and present it really, really nicely. After all, it is a how-to guide. That is the general premise of this podcast. But here's the pitch. When Kim and I visited Paris, which is a few years ago now, we love sharing a picnic on the grass in front of the Eiffel Tower. My beer of choice for pretty much every one of those picnics was Desperados, which is a Mexican-style lager flavoured with lime and tequila. And it's made in France by Dutch beer giants, Heineken. Probably not the purest choice, but I have to say, on a hot day, really, really refreshing when it's ice cold. In Barcelona, we found a place near the harbour called Black Lab. They made their own beers on site. And I have to say they were excellent. I tried pretty much every single one of them. They also cooked their food with beer. Cooking with beer isn't that unusual. So I didn't really want to do something. I want to do something a little bit different. But they also had desserts with beer in it. And one of the things they had was an IPA jelly, which was served in a beer glass and topped with whipped cream. And I have to say it was pretty good. But that's not all. Let's throw in a third factor to this. In my last house, I had a bar in the garage. uh, And I tried hundreds of different beers while I lived there. And I kept every single bottle of each different beer that I had and put it on a shelf behind the bar. Now, before we moved, I had the idea of cutting the tops off each of these bottles, making them into glasses and candles and selling them on Etsy. I even went as far as to buy the tool, but never got around to doing it. How do you combine these three things? Well, sorry Black Lab in Barcelona, I don't think you pushed the boat out far enough with your IPA jelly. So this is my idea. It's a trifle made with Desperados beer served in a glass made out of a Desperados bottle. I'm going to tell you how to do it all now. Let's start off then with how you make the glasses out of the bottles. I bought a glass bottle cutter on eBay for around about £10 quite a few years ago now. And truthfully, you can get much better ones than the one that I've got for a lot less now. With it, you simply measure out the bottle, tighten the bolts to where you want to cut it, and then score the bottle all the way around. I'll share a picture on social media so you can see what I'm talking about. Now, I had promised not to mention Corona in this episode, but... The best video that I've seen on YouTube that demonstrates how to do this is called How to Make Corona Beer Bottles into Glasses Every Time. And it's by a chap by the name of Johnny Keeley. Maybe it works best on Corona Beer Bottles, I don't know, because I've done this countless times on many, many different bottles since I bought this tool back in, I think, 2016. And I've never truly been satisfied with any of the results, not even really the ones that I've done this time. If you look on my personal Instagram account, which is at Beans and Bourbon, you can see my most successful effort, which was back on the 2nd of June 2016. Uh, and with it there, I took the top off a bottle of Tatton Brewery's Viper. And this is an excellent beer, by the way, if you ever try it. And yes, of course, I have visited that brewery too, because it's made in Nutsford, which is probably on about you know a 20 minute drive from where I live. If you look back on recent posts on Bees Does Stuff social media, you'll also see plenty of bottles of Desperados featuring those pictures. It's because I had quite a few goes at doing this. I don't mind doing it, to be honest, because, you know, I had to drink the beer first. Once you've scored the bottle and you only really need to do it once, just go once round where you want to take the top off, 
simple line don't cross over because that seems to interfere with how the bottle breaks it's simply then just a matter of alternating tipping boiling hot water over it from the kettle and just keep rotating it get it nice and hot keep tipping that water over the score line and then once it gets nice and hot slam it under the cold tap and keep alternating between the two and when you do this, and also be careful, this is a genuine tip here, the angle at which you hold the bottle, because I scolded my fingers on a couple of occasions. But just keep doing this, and eventually the, the contrast between the two temperatures will cause cracks to appear, and it will just break off. And if you watch the video, it breaks off perfectly, and just that top bit, which you can discard, can be thrown away, and you have the glass there that you can use. Once you've done it, obviously, keep in mind, you're going to need to sand down any of those sharp edges. Like I said, I'm going to stick a post on social media of the tool and me doing the scoring. And I also, for the next part, which is the trifle, I'll stick a post on social media of the ingredients and a picture of them. And just go have a look at it, because I tell you what, I think they look great and they taste even better. Now, this trifle is my own invention. Obviously it is. I mean, who else would come up with the idea of putting beer in a trifle? And it could have turned out absolutely foul or absolutely epic. I'm pleased to, and pleased and surprised to say uh, that it was fantastic. The wife, who doesn't enjoy beer, loved it too. I tell you what, I will definitely, definitely be making this again. Here's a list of the ingredients you're going to need. Like I said, it's going to be a post on social media. So if you follow me on there, you don't need to make a note of these. Um, because you can just screenshot it and you've got your shopping list right there. So you're going to need 500 mils of Desperado's beer and that's the perfect amount. Why is the perfect amount? Because the bottles come in either 330 mil or 660 mil. So you're always going to have a little bit of beer left over to enjoy. A pinch of salt, one quarter cup of caster sugar, 12 grams of gelatin, eight trifle sponge fingers, 300 gram tin of mandarins, 300 grams of custard, some whipped cream and some sprinkles. So if the stay in place order is still on when you try and make this trifle, buy these items when you're doing your essential shoppings as I did. I have not gone out just to buy the ingredients for this. I've done it while I am doing my essential shoppings. Although I did feel like a bit of a douchebag asking where the trifle sponges were. The best thing about this recipe is it is really easy to make. It is entry-level culinary chaos. Now, the recipe I've just given you will make about four of the glasses that you will see on the social media. So probably about uh, 250 mil worth of trifle, I think, in each glass. That's just a rough estimate. So the first thing you want to do is break up the trifle sponge fingers and drop them into each of the glasses, filling them all round about a quarter of the way full. To make the jelly, you put about 200 ml of the beer into a pan and warm it. You don't want to boil it. There's two reasons for this. A, the jelly won't come out right if you boil it. I don't know why this is, but the gelatin won't mix into the mixture properly. And second of all, you need alcohol in a trifle. You don't want to boil it off. That is a fact. Alcohol makes a trifle. You then add the gelatin into the warm beer and keep stirring it until it's fully dissolved. It's actually quite difficult to tell when it's fully dissolved because the beer will froth up. Uh, but if you keep just doing it for you, I found it, I did it for about five minutes, taking it on and off the heat so it doesn't get too warm. Um, it's, you're pretty much guaranteed that the gelatin will dissolve into the mixture by doing that. 
Then you're going to want to add your pinch of salt and your quarter cup of sugar and add in the rest of the beer and give it a really good vigorous stir just to make sure that it all mixes in properly. Um, again, it's difficult to tell when it's thoroughly mixed because the beer does froth up a little. Then you're going to want to pour the mixture out over the sponge fingers. Take it to around about the two-third mark on the glass and then add in the mandarins to the mix. Leave it to set in the fridge for a couple of hours. Maybe go grab yourself a beer or two, watch something on the telly. Once it's set, you're going to want to add a layer of custard. I use the pre-prepared mix. It's the easy option. I also chose the easy option when it came to adding the cream. Rather than whipping up my own batch of cream, I use the spray stuff. Yes, it's got a bit of a synthetic taste, but it's nice and sweet. Think about it. You're making a trifle with beer in it. You don't want to be too snobby about the ingredients. Then I topped it with some sprinkles and it's ready to enjoy. And I promise you, you will enjoy this. The lime and the tequila flavors work so well with those citrusy mandarins. It makes it a really enjoyable dessert. Try it, please. And let me know how you get on. And also let me know how you get on with the bottles that you make because I was very unsuccessful at doing those. If you look closely on those pictures, they ain't perfect. Send me your pictures if you do make a successful one. And please, please, please let me know how you get on if you do have a go at making this trifle. Or if you make any other dessert with beer, send it to me. I'd be interested to see it. We've run a little bit longer than usual in this episode. And like I said at the outset, it's been a bit of a pick and mix. But... I hope you enjoyed it. That's it for this week. Beans does beer. No doubt there'll be a few more of those to come in the future. Next week, it will be Beans Does Darts. I'll be looking at a few of my favourite steel tip darts and, of course, talking about my new favourite toy, the Nexus. All that remains then, really, is to give a shout-out to my sponsors, Lemon Co. Clothing. As I've said in previous episodes, they aren't processing orders at the moment. They're doing their bit to help stem the spread of the coronavirus. But get yourself onto their website and have a look. If you're looking for like a beanie hat, t-shirt, sweatshirt, a hoodie or something just a little bit different, get yourself along to lemoncoclothing.com. When life gives you lemons, stay sour and make lemonade. Thanks again for stopping by. As always, I welcome your feedback and you can send that to at Beans Does Stuff on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Or you can email me at beansdoesstuff at outlook.com. Alternatively, you could always visit www.beansdoesstuff.weebly.com. There's a link there to all the social media, email, and to the Google Podcasts. You can also find my profile on Anchor and leave me a message, and that can actually be played on this podcast, and I can respond to it. As I said, next time out, I'll be talking about darts. So whether you're a keen dart or just have the occasional chuck on a Friday night in the boozer, I hope you'll join me. Remember, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay home. Until next time, when no doubt we'll have plenty more stuff to talk about. Take care. Now, 
It's no good. I need to get myself a bottle of the Duchess. I just need to see if it's as bad as I remember. <laughs>